I have a word. When Fran was praying that I, I felt like I needed to share right now. In fact, can't, I want you to record this because I, I just, that's something else that I wanted, that I felt God spoke. That this isn't just for somebody here, it's for somebody else that may be hearing this over the video. So here's the word that I believe God spoke to me. I literally ask God, I do this often when I'm seeking him in prayer before the meeting, and I say, God, what do you want? What do you want for your people? Do you have a word for them? Do you have anything for them? And this is the word that I heard. He said, you've been wondering if my answer to your prayer is no. It isn't. God says, I am faithful to my word. I say yes to all of my promises to you. When Fran prayed that prayer, she said the same thing. It was the Holy Spirit. Fran said in her prayer that Abba was speaking to us and he said, I say yes to my promises. That's in the Bible. He says yes. His promises are in there. A promise means that that's what I promise you and that's what God says. Those promises are in there and he's faithful to his word. So if you've been asking God, God, is your answer for me no? Some people teach that, that sometimes God's answer is no. If there's a promise in here, his answer isn't no. If there's a promise in there, according to the scripture, his answer is yes, because he's faithful to his word. His answer is yes, and he wants you to know that. So if that's you, if you've been asking God, and maybe meditating and saying, maybe it's not God's will. Maybe his answer is no. Maybe God's will for me is no, I'm not going to heal you. That's not his will. That's not his promise. That's a lie that the enemy's trying to get you to buy. And God wants you to know that. He wants you to know that. So let me read directly these words one more time. You have been wondering if my answer to your prayer is no. It isn't. I am faithful to my word. I say yes to all of my promises to you. And then the scripture goes on and it says, our part is to say amen. Amen means so be it. So be it done unto me, God, as your word says. Okay. So Father God, we thank you for that word. And I pray, my Father, that your word right here is a rhema to the people who need that rhema word that word from you spoken directly to their heart that you are a god faithful to your promises that your promises are truth and you are faithful to that word and that you say yes you don't say no to your promises you say yes that's my will for you that's my will my daughter that's my will my son May that be the word that somebody needed to hear tonight to receive all that you have for them. Father, I pray a blessing over this, this teaching that I have prepared tonight. I pray your Holy Spirit's anointing on it, that it's not me, but that it's all you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we are continuing the series entitled Wisdom Keys for Healing. Wisdom Keys. For healing my prayer is that wisdom is birthed not just knowledge but the ability to use that knowledge that's from the innermost being of your spirit to to receive the healing that Jesus already paid for and many times it's a step that we need to take so that's what these wisdom keys are now please don't think you have to do number one two three four five six seven eight nine ten because that's not how God works he meets you right where you're at, and there's usually only one little key that's for you that's going to unlock the door to receive everything that God has for you. So this key, I'm going to share two of them tonight. And the title of the teaching is Eyes to See and Ears to Hear. So we're going to talk about vision, and we're going to talk about hearing. The first key it's in the box on your handout. It says, see yourself well. This wisdom key may be the one that will enable you to overcome a negative report, something that doesn't look good. God says, I have a better plan than looking at this thing that doesn't look good. 
and it's to see yourself well. Now, the book that our teachings come from is, are, that are the resource, because we're definitely letting the Holy Spirit fulfill in the gaps. But this is the, the basic resource. And this is Greg Moore, um, is the teacher. He's from the Andrew Womack School of Ministry. And this, is, this little nugget right here is from the book. And he asks, he says, think about, what is your primary picture on the canvas of your heart? If you could just stop and think, what do I see in my heart? What do I envision? Do I envision myself sick? Do I envision myself with lack or whatever? Or do I envision myself with the fullness of life and health? Now, we're not talking about what you see on the outside. We're talking about the canvas of your heart. We're talking about what you, how you see yourself on the inside. When a worst-case scenario is communicated... When a doctor gives you a report or when there's a bad report that comes, the enemy, the devil, will do his best to create a negative picture in that heart, on the canvas of your heart. Unless, unless you already have a picture of life and health in there. The enemy will try to paint that dark picture. That, oh no, what if, or that what's going to be next picture. Unless you already have the truth painted on your heart in such a way that that truth is your vision. Whenever we receive a bad report, it has the potential to paint a picture that contradicts God's word. If a different picture other than truth is painted on your heart, it can be difficult to believe God's word in that area. So if you have a different picture, if you have a negative picture that contradicts the word, it may make it more difficult to believe and receive the finished work of Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about. How do we see ourselves the way God sees us? What, what step of faith can we take to see ourselves well, to see ourselves abundant, to see ourselves living the fullness of life that Jesus came to give us? Now, here's another nugget, and this is on your handout. Often we believe in healing, yet God's word about healing has not yet, not yet displaced the picture in our heart of sickness and death. So we believe, but God's word hasn't yet painted that picture on our heart because we haven't fed on it enough. We haven't had enough of it in us. We haven't spoken it enough or whatever that case might be. So, here's good news. <laughs> here's really good news. We can paint a new picture. We can paint a new picture. As we spend more time meditating on God's Word, the Holy Spirit, we don't do it ourselves. There's life in the Word. And the Holy Spirit paints that picture in our heart. The Holy Spirit grows that up into us until it displaces the old picture of sickness and replaces it with a new picture. No matter what you see on the outside, the inside has the picture of wholeness, of life, of God's plan for you instead of the devil's plan. If the negative picture in our heart is going to change... It is imperative that we change our focus until we see ourselves well on the inside. We have to see it to be it. We have to see it to be it. I want to share a scripture with you. And Fran, I tell you, Holy Spirit is so amazing. You prayed this scripture this, just now as you were opening in prayer. This is 2 Corinthians 3.18. Love the scripture. And all of us, as with an unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of God, the glory of the Lord, we are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay. We become what we behold. We become what we behold. 
This scripture says that as we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror. So the promises in here become a mirror. And, it re and we reflect what we see in the mirror. When I look in the mirror, I see myself at home. When I look in the word and I continue to behold the word, I look like God's picture. And I begin that vision starts to rise in me. So I know what I look like. I know my image in Christ. I know him in me and me in him. I know his truth in me. And that comes as we behold the word of God. Now, this is a revelation God gave me today, and I'm so excited to share it. There's a word in the scripture. It says, we are constantly being transfigured. That word, transfigured. That word, transfigured, is used several times in the New Testament. And I'm going to give you three scriptures that it's used in. The first one that I want to share, and I'm not even going to read it. I'm just going to give you the, my paraphrase of it. It's Matthew 17, verse 2. And in Matthew 17, it's the transfiguration of Jesus with the three apostles. And he's up on the mountain, and he's transfigured. And there's glory all around him. And there's light all around him. And they fall down, the apostles fall down in the, under the glory of God. And they're in awe of the glory and the splendor of Jesus. That word is the same word that's used here transfigured that same word that same greek word for transfigured is in romans 12 verse 2 in romans 12 verse 2 and i'm going to paraphrase it says that um we are is the bible the scripture says don't be conformed to the world but rather be transformed and that's the word transformed or transfigured be transformed by the word, by, by, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which will prove the good and the perfect will of God. Can I get, have somebody get me a, a glass of water, please? Fran, could you get me a glass of water, Tom? Got a tickle going. So, be transformed. It's the same as Jesus being transfigured. We grow from glory to glory. Jesus reflected the glory of God in the transfiguration. That's what we do. As we behold the word of God, as our minds are renewed by the word of God, we become transformed and the glory of God just falls on us. I'm getting better already, Fran. Thank you, Jesus. Be transfigured. Be transformed. I want you to write those three scriptures down. Matthew 17, 2. Romans 12, 2. And then this scripture, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And look at the word transformed or transfigured. Thank you, Fran, so much. Just as Jesus was transfigured and transformed and the glory was all over him. That's us. That's us as we behold the word of God. And it even says in the scripture, it says, as in a mirror, we become, we behold as in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And then later on it says, and we, um, and we are transfigured in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. That's what happens to us as we behold the word. <clears throat> so, we become what we behold. We are transformed into the image we focus on. Now, I'm going to give you the negative and the positive. We can become healed. We can become healed in our physical bodies or in our soul by focusing on Jesus and his word about healing. Because we're transformed into the image we focus on. Or, this is the negative, or we can focus on the disease and the negative report and become chronically or terminally ill or even die. We become what we behold. Behold. 
our focus is our choice. What we focus on is our choice. And it does require some discipline. It does require us to take action. We can't afford to allow our symptoms, our feelings, or the condition of our bodies to be our primary focus. To do that is to give those things authority instead of God's word. Imaginations can get you into trouble. But a faith vision can bring you the answer to the promise in that word. A faith vision can bring you to the place where you believe this more than you believe what you see, feel, or, or hear. So let's talk about a faith vision. Developing a faith vision. I'm going to share a little bit of teaching that I shared two weeks ago. I told you I was going to share it again. Because this is so powerful. How do you develop that faith vision? How do you see yourself the way God sees you? I'm going to read a scripture. This is Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Listen to what the word says. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. And I'm just going to just elaborate a little bit. The joy of those who do not put their focus on the negative. The joy of those who do not surround themselves with faith killers, but rather surround themselves with faith builders. Instead, instead of focusing on the negative, instead of focusing on the symptoms and all that, they delight in the law of the Lord. And you can put the word, word in there. They delight in the word of the Lord. Meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit. Healing is fruit. Bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. So there's the negative side of being in the world and doing it the world's way. And then there's God's way of staying in the word, being planted, being rooted, being edified by the life of the word and producing fruit and prospering. So what does that look like? That word, meditate, is the Greek word, I'm sorry, the Hebrew word, haga, H-A-G-A-H. And when you look this word up in a, a biblical reference called a concordance, it gives a bunch of words that can be translated from that word, haga. And the interesting thing is the order that these words are given in the concordance. Here's the words, and this is on your sheet. Utter, mutter, meditate, imagine, speak, roar. So we're going to go through these, and I'm going to do it pretty quickly because I did teach this two weeks ago. But I want to go through each of these, these, these tools that we can use to help us to get that faith vision, that picture inside of us, painted on the canvas of our heart, from God's word into our heart, so that we see ourselves the same way God sees us. So the first two I kind of put together, utter and mutter. Utter and mutter means that we're going to speak the promises. We're going to take God's promises and just speak them out loud. So you might take the scripture that says, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and quickens my mortal body. Or you might take the scripture that says, by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. Whatever scripture God quickens to your heart, whatever one like kind of stirs in you. So you take that scripture and you read it out loud. That At that moment, there's life in the word. And as you take that scripture and read it out loud and speak it out loud, maybe memorize it so that you can speak it a lot, as you do that, what's happening is germination. The seed is being germinated. If you want to compare it to a pregnancy, it's like when the sperm and the egg unite and you have conceived a baby. You don't see it, you don't feel it, you probably don't even know it but you have conceived it. So that's the first step. But that's not where we stop. The next level is to 
meditate. And that word meditate is to take that same scripture and to think about it. So we can, we can just recite scriptures and not even think about it. But when we ponder it, when we think about it, when we talk to God about it, when we focus our thoughts on it, that little seed begins to develop. We're, we're, it's being incubated in a, a, a perfect environment to grow. So that's the meditation. Next, and this ties right in with the topic we're talking about. Next, we imagine it by picturing within ourselves what it would be like to see God's promise come to pass. So we, we imagine. Our imagination is a powerful tool. We use our imagination to see ourselves the way that promise says. So whatever it is, healed, prospering, healthy marriage, uh, whatever it is that you are in need of, you see yourself that way. Imagine yourself that way. As you're doing that, what you're, what you're doing is you're, again, incubating that seed that has been germinated and allowing it to, to develop and grow and develop and grow. It's not just a baby seed anymore. It's growing. It's becoming more and more mature. It can't be de delivered until it grows. You can't have a baby with a, a tiny little, you know, fertilized egg. That baby has to be fully developed before it can be delivered. So that's what's happening. There's the gestation stage or the incubation stage as we meditate and we imagine. And then the next step is we speak it. Then we speak it for what we, will, what we believe will naturally rise up within us. It just starts to grow and grow and grow. And you'll see, I see it in you guys all the time, where as it grows and grows, I just see it start to come out of you. And you're talking about it. You're talking about how you're feeling in the spiritual sense instead of in the natural sense, instead of in your body. All of a sudden, those things aren't even, you're not even talking about all of those things, like the symptoms or the doctor's report as much. You might still talk about it a little bit because you're coming for prayer and that's okay. But the biggest thing we see is you talking about what's God's, what God's doing and how, it's, how, how you're in peace or how you're feeling so much stronger. We see it in your countenance. We see the smiles. We see the strength. I've seen that so much in Olga over the last few weeks as she's just grown and grown and grown in, her, in what's in here. That vision, that faith vision is rising up. I've got a couple of scriptures that I want to share with you about speaking and then what we believe we speak. So here's the first one. This is 2 Corinthians 4.13. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he who wrote, as he had who wrote, I have believed and therefore I have spoken. We too believe and therefore we speak. And it's good to share what's going on. It's good to share your faith story. But be careful who you share it with. You want to make sure that it's received. So come talk to us. We love to hear your stories. Tell us where you're at. Maybe you have a faith friend or a mentor you can share it with. But share it. Share those steps that you're taking along your journey. Matthew 12, 34 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in there? comes out here. So as your faith is building and building, as you're becoming more pregnant with the promise, it's going to start coming out of your mouth and you can't even hardly help it. And then the last one is roar. Finally, we roar. When a lion roars, everything in the jungle knows he's there. When we roar, the picture that faith vision that's inside of us is refusing to keep silent. It's refusing to be held back. Faith is making itself known. And that is when you're ready to deliver that promise. I have a niece right now who is four weeks from delivering a baby. Believe me, there's no hiding it. <laughs> there's no hiding it. That baby is going to be delivered. 
And that's what happens as you become pregnant with that promise. Pretty soon, there, there, it, it has to come out. It can't stay in there anymore. And you deliver the promise. I want to give you two examples of this um, faith vision. The first one you've heard me tell already, but I'm going to share it again. And that is when I was in the midst of my battle with cancer. It was in my whole lymphatic system. I didn't know any of this, so I know the Holy Spirit was growing, and, and naturally those, I was going through those steps naturally. But when I got to that, to a, a certain point, I was envisioning my lymph nodes healthy. I was just seeing them. I was picturing them healthy. I was picturing cancer being completely annihilated because the Holy Spirit was in there. The Holy Spirit is in me. And that Holy Spirit that is in me was canceling out all cancer and destroying it. I saw like this war going on in my body and the Holy Spirit was winning. And I saw cancer just being, you know, removed from my body. And then I saw my lymph nodes working correctly. And anything that would try to attack was being surrounded and destroyed because that's what lymph nodes are supposed to do. So I just envisioned that. The second example I want to give you is that of one of my good friends. Her name's Teresa. She did a wonderful teaching on meditation a few years ago. And she had been going through a battle in her life with her marriage. She had uh, she'd been married for many years, and she had kind of, over the years, there wasn't a division in their marriage, but there was kind of a complacency in their marriage, where they had kind of drifted apart a little bit. And she saw it happening. She, at one point, she was considering divorce. She's a woman of God. And she knew what God's promises said about marriage. She knew what God said about marriage. So she made the choice. It's a choice. She made a choice to find God's word for her about her marriage. And she went through these steps. She, and she didn't intentionally go through these steps. It naturally happened as the Holy Spirit was with her. And at one point, she had this picture of herself and her husband. In their backyard, they had a hammock. And she had this vision of her with her husband in the hammock together having fun. And not only were they smiling and laughing in her vision, she sensed closeness. She sensed his love in this vision. And then she said she purposed, on purpose, she would put that in her mind every day, that same vision. She said, I would lay on my couch and I would put on some worship music and I would see myself in that hammock with my husband. And I would feel that love that I was hungry for to be re-sparked or whatever. And so she continued to do this. And she said a few months later, they had a family gathering and a bunch of people were over, a bunch of her kids and grandkids. And they were out in the backyard. And she ended up in that hammock with her husband, having fun, laughing, feeling his love, feeling that closeness. And she knew that her promise had come to fruition. It came to pass. That vision that she had of her marriage, whole and healthy, came to pass. And the very same picture that God had given her, she lived out in her real life. And she is now very, their marriage is very strong, very reignited, very beautiful. She wasn't going to give in to the enemy's plan. She chose God's word instead. And she used these same meditation steps to see herself the way that God sees her, the way that God's promises say that it, that's what was hers. She claimed it. So as we wrap up this part of the teaching, I have a reflection for you. This is something you can go home and kind of think about, meditate on. How do you see yourself? When you see yourself in your mind's eye, do you see yourself sick or healthy? Failing or succeeding? Do you see bad things or good things happening to you? Be honest with yourself. It's okay, because God's there. If you're not seeing the right thing, meditate on the word. Until God's picture of you becomes clearly stamped in your soul. Let God's word Paint a new picture on the canvas of your heart. He will. His word will. Proverbs 23, 7 says, 
For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. That's who we are. Whatever's on that canvas of our heart, that's who we are. Isn't that good? Okay. We're going to look at another um, key, another wisdom key. And this key is, has to do with hearing. Hear and be healed. Hear and be healed. God doesn't heal or perform a miracle the same way every time. If we seek God, he will give us instruction for our situation. What he leads me to do is probably going to be completely different than what he leads you to do. What he leads me to do for one situation is completely different than what he leads me to do for another situation. So we're going to talk about hearing in order to be healed. And the way I would like to begin is by reading a testimony from this book. This isn't Greg's testimony. This is somebody that goes to his church. In October of 2004, I started having problems with my stomach. Everything I ate made my stomach feel bad, and it was just real raw. I thought at first that it must be ulcers, so I went to see my doctor. After he took x-rays, he sent me to a local radiologist because it did not look good to him. The day I went to the radiologist, I knew that something was wrong. After he took the first set of pictures, he came back and started taking them all over again. I thought to myself, what's going on here? After he completed all of the x-rays, he wouldn't tell me what he saw, except to say, it looks like there may be a problem. He sent me back to my doctor who told me that there was an ulcer and a mass in my stomach and they thought it was probably cancer. He then set up an appointment for me the following week with a surgeon to put a scope down my throat into my stomach and make clear pictures of what was there so he would know better what he was dealing with. After that appointment was set, I felt led to go home and meditate on the book of James. So this is where the hearing part starts. She felt that she needed to go to the book of James. When she read James 5, verse 14 and 15, I knew that God was speaking straight to me. It says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. I knew after meditating on those verses that God was telling me to go and ask the elders to pray for me. I believe that for every miracle we need, there's an instruction for us. If we seek the Lord, he will always come and give us instruction for our own situation. I don't think that God heals or performs a miracle the same way every time. That's why we need to ask God what he wants us to do to cooperate with him to receive our miracle. I went to our church the following Sunday morning and I told my son, who is the elder there, who is the elder there, the elders have got, this is what she said, the elders have got to pray for me this morning because God instructed me that that is how I was going to receive my miracle. I'm not leaving here today until you pray for me. They did pray for me that day and afterward I just knew that I was going to be fine. I went to that surgeon the following Thursday for him to perform that scope on me. When the surgeon finished the scope, he went out to the waiting room to tell my son and daughter-in-law what he had found. He apologized to them for putting me through all that was involved in that test. He said, I don't know what the other doctor saw, but there's nothing there. In fact, your mother's stomach is as pink as a baby's. There's no ulcer and no mass. Whatever they saw on those x-rays is no longer there. Thank God I am healed and thank God for his faithfulness and his instruction to me that helped me receive this miracle. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. That was a word that God spoke to her. That was a direction that God spoke to her to take. And she was obedient. And she knew, she knew that she knew that she knew that that was her, her, her key to unlock her healing that Jesus had already paid for. Hearing and healing are connected. Hearing from God and healing are connected. I'm going to read two scriptures that say that. The first one is Luke 5:15. However, the report went around concerning him, Jesus, 
all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. To hear and to be healed by him. Luke six seventeen, And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. In Jesus' ministry, he used lots of different methods to heal the sick. There's a scripture that Jesus says, I only say what I hear my father say, and I only do what I see him do. So Jesus was fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit. He was fully dependent on the Holy Spirit. So he went to his father, he listened, and then he did what his father directed him to do. And what we see in the accounts is that it was very different with, with different people. And the other thing we see is that he often involved the person. He often had them take some step or some action. So I'm going to read just a series of scriptures to give you evidence of that. And they're listed on your paper. I'm just going to read them. I've got them on my, on my sheets so we can save a little bit of time. So Matthew 8, verses 2 through 4 says, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and, after the gift that, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So Jesus laid hands on him and prayed. He assured him that it was his will to heal. And then he sent him to go to the priest and show himself as a testimony. So that was one example. Here's another one. Matthew 8, 15. So he touched her hand and the fever left her. And she arose and served them. That was Peter's mother-in-law. He laid hands, she was healed. John 9, verses 1 and then 6 and 7. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with a saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with a clay. And then he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So Jesus heard from the Holy Spirit. He made the mud with his saliva. I mean, I've never done that when I've <laughs> prayed for any of you. But that's what Jesus saw. That's what he was directed to do. So that's what he did. And then he sent the man to wash. Now, I believe that the man was still blind when he went to wash. But he took that action of faith. And it says he came back seeing. So, again, he, he got the direction from Jesus. He did it. And then he was healed. Um, Matthew 9, verses 32 and 33. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man, mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying, it was ne it's never been seen like this in Israel. So in that case, Jesus saw that there was a demonic something that he needed to get rid of in order for the healing to happen. But that's not always the way it is. Here's another mute man. Verse, Mark 7, verse 32 and 35. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. He took him aside from the multitude, put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and he said, Ephatha, which is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. So Jesus didn't cast out a spirit. He heard what he needed to hear. He didn't need to have it. There was no demonic cause in that case. So he, he did what the father directed him to do. And the man was healed. Matthew twelve thirteen. Then Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And as he stretched out his hand, it was restored as whole as the other. He couldn't stretch out his hand. It was crippled. It was withered. 
But when he started to make the attempt, it was healed. So he took that action. The man had an action to take. And the last one, Mark 8, verses 23 through 26. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spat, spit at his eyes, or on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And the man looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. So he's saying, try, open your eyes, look. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. And then he sent him away saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Another time he said, go tell the priests when the other man was healed. This one he said, don't go back there. And if you look at, I've heard teaching on this. If you look at that town, there was so much unbelief in that town. He didn't want him to go back to that town where there was all that unbelief because it could shipwreck his faith and he could lose his healing. So he said, don't go back there. So Jesus gave direction. He heard from the Holy Spirit. He gave direction. And as they heard Jesus and followed it, they were healed. So this wisdom key, hear and be healed, requires us to go into our relationship, which we are invited into. The throne of grace is open. We are reconciling to God. There's nothing keeping us back. This wisdom key requires us to go into our relationship and listen to him and then depend on him for specific strategies for his healing. We have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that Jesus was completely dependent on. This is a quote from Benny Hinn, who is um, a, a powerhouse man of God who has just written some amazing books about the, our, our friend, the Holy Spirit, our comforter, our prom the promise of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. The Holy Spirit takes the voice of the Father and the Son and makes it quiet, lovely, and perfectly clear. That's for you and for me. Let me read that again. Our Holy Spirit takes the voice of the Father and the Son and makes it quiet, lovely, and perfectly clear. I'm going to give you two scriptures about the Holy Spirit because we need to depend on the Holy Spirit the same way Jesus did in order to hear his voice and follow his direction. So listen to this. John 14, verse 26. But the helper, our helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach us. We'll bring to our remembrance what we need. It might be a scripture. It might be a direction. John 16, 13 says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Jesus said, I will only speak what I hear the Father speak. I will only do what I see the Father do. And this scripture says that the Holy Spirit will only tell us what he hears. So he's hearing and delivering the message to us. So how does, how does that take place? This is a big question. This is another whole teaching. How do we hear? How do we hear God speak to us? And there's three steps on your paper, and I shouldn't use the word steps, but there's three suggestions. The first one is relationship. In order to hear from somebody, you have to have a relationship and talk to them. Two-way. Communication isn't one-way. It's two-way. You talk and you listen. You talk and you listen. So the first step is relationship. Spending time with God. Not once a week. Spending time with God. When you're walking... When you're in the shower, I know it sounds weird, but I talk to God a lot in the shower. When you're in your prayer time, when you're driving, you can drive very safe and talk to God. Have relationship with him. So having that 
time with God and then by listening. In order to listen, you need to be still. And close your mouth and listen to him and see what he says to you. And the third is by learning to be dependent on him. The default of this world is to be independent. The default of this world is to figure it out, to be in control, and to take over instead of letting God take over. But that's not how you're going to hear from God. We need to say, okay, God, when I hear from you, I'm going to be dependent. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to rely on you and trust you and be dependent on you. Each battle's different. Each battle over our health is different, and it requires us to be dependent and to remain dependent on the Lord. I'm going to give you a couple of examples of how I've seen this happen and what it, what it felt like, because it's very subtle. That still small voice is very subtle. Um, the first example I want to give you is when I was first in my first battle with healing, and that was when I had been diagnosed with stage 4 melanoma. And you, many of you have heard this story. I wasn't trying even to hear from God, but he was speaking loud and clear to me. I was reading the Bible, and I was reading a scripture about speaking to the mountain, and I was reading it every day. And every day I would read that scripture and I would say, I speak to cancer and cancer, I tell you to go. And according to the Bible, it says that if I speak to the mountain and tell it to go, that it has to go. If I believe in my heart and don't doubt. So cancer, I tell you to go. And I believe in my heart without doubting. And I would just meditate on that scripture every day. But the very next verse said, and when you stand praying, forgive. <laughs> and the father will forgive you, something like that. Anyway, I'm, I'm not paraphrasing it well, but it talks about forgiving and our forgiveness being connected with our Father's forgiveness. And I would read that, and God was speaking to me by a little conviction in my gut, in my conscience. And every day I had that conviction, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't get it, because I didn't have any views. I didn't have any big things in my life. And so finally, after about a month of having that conviction, I finally stopped and said, God, what are you trying to tell me? I just asked him. I said, I don't think I have any forgiveness. I said, is there anybody I need to forgive? Bam, he gave me three of them. <laughs> Immediately. Not one, but three. You've all heard about my sister. I had had a long-standing offense that had taken place over 22 years. I didn't even know that I had because it was so subtle and had built up so slowly. I had this huge offense big wall between my sister and I. So I did what I needed to do, and my relationship was completely reconciled. The second one was um, my brother um, at that time had just gotten remarried. He, in his early days, for many years, had been an alcoholic, and his wife had left him. He was a, he was a terrible dad, terrible husband. She left him. He had gone through Alcoholics Anonymous, was completely alcohol-free, still is, praise you, Jesus. He is healed. He is healed. He's not an alcoholic. He is healed. But anyway, after he got healed, he met another woman, fell in love, and got married. She divorced him three weeks after they got married. And I was mad at that woman because she hurt my brother so bad. I was mad. And this is the same time that I was going through cancer. And God says, you have to forgive her. And I made amends with her. I literally contacted her and forgave her. She probably thought I was crazy. But God told me to. And I was obedient. I heard God tell me to do that. And the third one had to do with my own, uh, something I needed to change in me in regards to my husband. God spoke to me and he said, Cindy, you're seeking me for compassion to heal. I have compassion. It's all over the word. But you don't have that compassion for your own husband when he needs healing. And he spoke to me loud and clear. And so I sat down with my husband and I offered my, my apology to him for the way that I treat him when he doesn't feel well. And I said, honey, I'm sorry. 
I will do my best to get better. That's something that's really hard for me. So I had three things God showed me with that one little scripture. Hear and be healed. I believe there was a direct connection because the Bible says, when you stand praying, forgive. I believe there was a direct connection in my life between me forgiving and letting go of stuff that I had held on to and receiving the fullness of my healing. So that was one example. A second example is a much lighter example. This happened last year. We were taking a road trip to um, help Megan move into her new house. And she had lived in New York City. She was moving to Cleveland. And we had been storing a lot of furniture because in New York, her, she had a studio apartment and no room. So we had a bunch of furniture. We loaded it all into the truck in the trailer. And we got ready to drive to Cleveland. Everything was fine until we stopped at the first um, uh, place to get gas in the truck. And Count stepped out of the car to put gas, and his knee, he has two new knees. He had knee replacement surgery, and we praise God that he has two amazingly healthy, good knees. But that day when he got out of the truck, something went weird in that knee, in one of his new knees, and he couldn't put one ounce of weight on it. He literally couldn't walk even far enough to put gas in the truck, from the door of the truck to the gas tank. And it was like, what's going on? He had no pain before he got in the truck, nothing. So we didn't know what it was. We got in the truck and continued to go, and I, I heard from God. I felt I heard from God. And I believe what his direction was, was to laugh at the enemy. I've never done that. It, at least I've, I've probably done it, but I've never felt like God said at a certain moment in time to do that. But he did. And we, I told Ken, I said, I feel like we need to laugh at the enemy. I don't know what he's trying to do, but this is a joke. You have two brand new knees. You're fine. So that's what we did. And it didn't feel, it felt weird because we didn't feel like laughing, but we just did it. So we're driving down the expressway, making ourselves laugh. And then it got, so it was coming up from our, our spirit man and out. And we were just laughing and laughing at the enemy and saying, you're crazy. We're healed. He's healed. He's got new knees. His knees are whole. His knees are healthy. And we just continued, you know, to laugh and then pray and speak. Um, we had another um, trip planned. Immediately when we got back, we were going to fly out west and do airport. You know how airports you walk and walk and walk and walk and walk. He was completely fine two or three days later. He did have to ice it that day and rest it that day. But by the time we went on the, the airport trip, he was completely well, and it has never recurred. So God gave us the direction to laugh, and that's what we did. In that instant, it was completely different than the other one. And then the third issue I want to share with you, or the third direction, was completely different. This was a few years ago, and I was, um, I had uh, one of, probably some of you have had this, where I had my back go out, in, and it was so severe that I I was stuck. I mean, I was stuck. Can't help me. And he came, and I couldn't move. And I don't know how, but he helped me to get, I was in the bedroom changing my clothes when it happened, and he helped me lay on the bed, and I just laid there. I couldn't move. <laughs> and it was really, really, really bad. I, you know, over time, I went to the chiropractor, and I uh, whatever was going on in my back, where it was out or whatever, got it in place. And it took a while, but it got better. After that, it kept doing it. Not as bad, but I would, I would, you know, uh, I was helping Kent trim shrubs and my back went out. Another time I was um, getting out of the shower, bending down to dry off my feet, and my back went out. And it did it like three or four or five times. And this is where I believe God directed me. Two things. One was that I started speaking wrong when all of that was happening. I started saying, I have a weak back. And God said, stop it. <laughs> Don't say you have a weak back. Stop it. Say you have a strong back. The second thing was that I felt like I needed to do a different kind of exercise. And no doctor told me this. But I felt I needed to do a different kind of exercise because I have always done a couple of different kinds of exercises, some aerobic, a little bit of strength, and, and aerobics. And I felt like I needed to do stretching. But I've never done stretching because I won't do yoga. 
I will not. I believe, I, and you can ask me why later, but I refuse. I will not do yoga. So I went on my Amazon account and I searched for a stretching exercise video that was not yoga, that was just stretching. And I bought it and I started doing it. And I, as I do the stretching exercises, I speak to my back. And I say, oh, my back is strong. Thank you, God, my back is strong. And I do these stretching exercises. My back is stronger now than it's ever been in my life. But I felt like God directed me to do those two things, stretching exercises and speaking differently. So God moves differently at different times. I had three different situations, and all three of them were different in the direction that I, I felt like God said to do. So... Whenever you or I experience an attack against your health, the first thing to do, one of the first things, is to take time to seek God. Get into his presence, listen for instruction, and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, whatever that might be. If you don't feel like you get something specific, then act on whichever wisdom key for healing you feel the most strongly about. Because guess what? That's hearing from God. When you feel strongly about a direction, that's one of the ways we hear from God. It doesn't have to be a voice coming to you or a scripture directly telling you what to do. It can just be a sense, a strong sense that this is what I need to do. That's hearing from God. Okay, I'm going to read... One more scripture and then we're going to close. This is Matthew 13, 15. This scripture, I probably should have put at the beginning of the teaching, but I think it's a powerful scripture when we're talking about hearing from God and seeing. See yourself well, hear and be healed. Listen to the scripture. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their eyes and their ears cannot hear. And they've closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. This is the, the, the negative side of everything I'm teaching. And the, the, the first line says, their hearts were hardened. Our hearts are sensitive to what we focus on and our hearts are hardened to the things that we don't focus on. So as we focus on God and his word, as we focus on the promises, our eyes open and our ears open and our hearts are open to receive. But if we're in the world, if our focus is instead of on God's promise, if our focus is on the world and the symptom and the doctor's report and everything else that is typical in the world, then that's, that could be the result, the hardness, where our eyes don't see and our ears don't hear and our hearts don't receive. And it says at the end of the scripture, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. So I believe right now, Father God, that you have prepared a feast for us to receive all that you have for us, for us to take and receive the healing that you provided for. Oh, Father, open our eyes that we may see. Open our eyes that we may see the way that you see, that we may have a vision of what you have given us in your word wholeness abundance of life healing health and give us ears father god that aren't hardened but ears that are wide open that your spirit can bring to us those truths reveal to us your direction and your guidance for us i pray for sensitivity sensitivity to to be directed by you and to go in the direction of peace to go in the direction of your leading and your guiding 
And I thank you, God, for these keys. You love us so much, and we just thank you. I want to read this final reflection, and then we're going to worship with a beautiful song about wisdom and vision. Reflection. Have you taken time to seek God, that's the relationship part, and listen to his direction to you for your healing? Have you relinquished control of your healing and given Jesus lordship over it? Or are you leaning on your own understanding and strength? Hear and be healed. Hear and be healed. Okay.